And to Luke, glory to you, Lord. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed on a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay in the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, Half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a descendant of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I grew up with a large extended family, and so a lot of my cousins have had, ki- had kids, and so I've been able to kind of grow up with them, kind of get to interact with them. And I can remember on a few occasions uh, starting to play with the, the boys especially uh, and saying like, hey, come here, I'm going to throw you up in the air. And some kids don't like that, but some kids love it. So much so that they're, you know, you throw them up a little bit and they're, do it again. So you throw them up, and you throw them up a little bit higher. Do it again. And you throw them up again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And I enjoy it as well, so I'm more than happy to partake in it. The problem becomes on the 20th or 30th time where I can only throw them up so many times before I myself am exhausted, not necessarily of doing it, but just muscle-wise, you know, it's not exactly all that smart to to continue to do it. And so I have to tell them, okay, one last time. And they're like, okay, one last time. And you do it. And then they're like, one last time, one last time. And you do it again, one last time. And there's just this joy of doing the same thing over and over and over again, because it's good, it's enjoyable, it's there. And I love the idea that God has a similar heart, a young heart, just like that child. A heart which does not tire of doing it again and again and again. G.K. Chesterton says that we, uh, in one quote that I I like, and I, I think about this especially, he says, we grow old because we have sinned, but God is eternally young. He is much younger as our father than we are because he he has this young heart which exalts in monotony. He never tires of the good, just like a child. He wants to do it again, do it again. Every single morning, the sun doesn't rise on his own, but, but there's this thought that he himself makes it rise. Every single morning, sun rise again. Every single evening, moon rise again. And then he says, it may not be automatically, automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. 
It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but he never tires of making them. This is the heart of God. And we we see in creation what God is like. There's this idea that there's the fingerprint of God in creation around us. And so we we see that. In the first reading, it, it gives a little bit of a deeper indication of this as well, saying, saying, you loathe nothing that you have made. You love all things that are. So we know by the very existence of something that it's loved. Now, we can go even deeper theologically in this to be able to state that God uh, doesn't need anyone else. That God is actually perfectly content by himself. Trinity, three persons of the Trinity, and there's a goodness of love amongst them. But... They have such a goodness and a love that they don't create out of necessity like we do. We draw other people to ourselves or we create things because we're bored. We want something else. God isn't bored. He doesn't need us. But out of an overflowing of his goodness and his desire to share good things, he creates. And he creates us to also share in that. Now, this is very different than a type of deistic type of creator God. We sometimes get this in the modern day. Well, maybe kind of a clockmaker. God makes something, he sets it in motion, and then he's like, well, uh, wow, that really didn't go the way that I thought it would or, or different things, but a kind of a clockmaker that makes it and sets it free and then has no more interactions. Well, that's not a Jewish God. It's not a Christian God. God that we see in the book of wisdom, as well as the God of Jesus Christ, who is, is a God who is intimately involved. In fact, so intimately involved that we say that um, how could a thing remain unless you willed it or is preserved had it not been called forth by you? There's an aspect that God continues to will everything in existence. He didn't just make creation and then set it free, but he actually needs to continue to keep it in existence. And that's also true for us as well. That God knows how many hairs are on our head, not just because he made him, made our head, made us, but because he continues to will every single hair on our head. Well, maybe not all of our hair on our head, in continued existence. Everything that is being continues to be willed by God. Again, not out of a necessity for him trying to prove something or or trying to get our love because he needs it, but because he wants to share in that goodness. And so, when we hear Zacchaeus today, as he is um, in the gospel, he is someone who God already knows intimately. Now, Zacchaeus, it seems like, has never seen Jesus. He's heard about him. He's, he's a Jew. He, he knows of who God is, but he's a chief tax collector. And so he's kind of made money his God. He's 
taken a step out of communion with his community. Tax collectors chose money and being friends with the Romans over being friends with his, with his, uh, with his people. And so he's isolated. He's lacking. He's removed from this. And he's wondering, I believe, whether he's known and loved by anyone. And so he wants to seek out Jesus. And it's beautiful because he's, even though that he's a rich tax collector, he humbles himself to climb a tree. Now there's a saying where um, uh, an elder, uh, elder's man's fl- robe should never flow. It's because uh, there's an idea that, again, someone in prominence doesn't go running to someone else. They don't have to move to try to talk to someone else. They come to them. And as a chief tax collector, he certainly would have been a place of prominence where many people would have come to him. But here, he humiliates himself, climbing a tree, looking like a fool, because I'm guessing he wasn't very good at it, because he didn't have very much practice, because again, he would not have been doing this. But he climbs a tree so that he can see Jesus. There's this beautiful humility that opens himself up to receive God who's already been searching for him. Now it says that Jesus came to Jericho intending to pass through the town, but he doesn't just pass through the town. And I wonder if Zacchaeus looking for Jesus, but that Jesus was always looking for him. That he passed not around the town, but through the town and knew where Zacchaeus would be so that he could again, encounters Zacchaeus. And I think that's true for ourselves often as well. We know that there's something more than us. We seek something more. We feel isolated at times. We don't know what to do. And so hopefully in humility, we we come before God seeking him. And hopefully we find that he's already been looking for us. In fact, there's a beautiful phrase I love in John's gospel that says, He's talking to the apostles in the Last Supper, and he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit. I think there's a lot of times where we think, again, in a good way, where we're choosing to be here. We're, we're choosing God. And a lot of ways we are. But we have to realize that God has already chosen us. <laughs> He's already loved us. And we, hopefully, just like him, out of a response, not of, out of grasping at something, but instead offer ourselves fully to him. Now, I want to say, what is the primary way that he does that? What is the way that he seeks us out today? Because unfortunately, we can't go to Jericho and hope that Jesus is walking by. So where do we go? Well, today, Jesus is walking through Icago. (laughs) He's coming to this elementary school. He's walking through here. And you need to seek him out and, and... find the elementary school and climb up here and and try to find him. Jesus comes in the Eucharist. He's given us this sacrament to seek us out. And I know that for myself growing up as a kid, maybe I had an old soul, but I didn't exactly like the monotony of Mass. It was half half is the same every single time. You hear the same scriptures. There's a monotony to it of again and again. And 
And I always thought, you know, it would be more exciting if you changed it up more. But, again, I'd like to say that God has a heart of a young child who sees something good and just wants to do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Jesus tells us to do this in remembrance of him. And he wants us to do it again (laughs) because it is good. And sometimes we tire, unfortunately, in our old age, in our, in our sin. We, we grow tired of the goodness of creation. We sometimes forget about the grat- gratitude of the amazing creation that God has for us, right? We drive right past a sunset. We see a beautiful flower and we're just like, ah, yeah, it's just another thing. But it's important for us to grow into a heart like God. A God who I would encourage you to read, reread this first reading from the book of wisdom and to remind yourself what kind of heart God has because that's the heart that we want to grow into. We want to become like God, not just change him into who we want him to be. And God has a young heart, like my cousin's kids who just want to be thrown up in the air again and again and again and again. And so we're grateful to be here once again as God seeks us out um, and allows us every single time that we come to Mass to choose him once again in humility and renew our baptismal promises in our yes, in our belief. Every single time that we come to receive the Eucharist is again that, that definitive time when we humble ourselves and remember who God is this amazing gift that he gives us again and again and again. And so let us experience that conversion that Zacchaeus did because God does seek us out. And he wants to stay in our house this day. In fact, even more intimately than just our house. He wants to remain and reside in our soul.